Good morning, Northview. You look good today. Turn to somebody and say you look good. I hope that was your spouse. (laughs) You always hear me say Northview is one church in 12 different locations, and I want to stop right there and say we're making a few changes, and so that's going to change. Number one, um, we have four of those campuses are in prisons. We combined the two in Miami County, so now three of those are in prisons, so subtract one. But then we're adding Noblesville coming up this fall, which we're super, super excited about. Yeah. Three other people are too. And, <laughs> and so that puts us back up at 12. But then North Putt has been a microsite for us for the last couple of years, and we've decided that we need to make that a campus now. And so Peyton Shippey is going to be the campus pastor there. North Putt, I just want to say to you guys, yeah. <laughs> Those of you at North Putt, I just want to say we're so super proud of you. We're, we're proud of what you've already accomplished in that community and cannot wait to see what God is going to do through you. We're excited for you to have Peyton. He's going to be, a, he's going to be an incredible encouragement to you as well. Well, I'm excited to jump into this. So anyway, the, the, the math to that now, we're one church in 13 different locations. If you followed all of that math... That's where we're at. Well, I'm, ju- I'm excited to jump into this message today, so pray with me. Father, thank you, Lord, for your faithfulness in our life. You're an amazing God. What an incredible opportunity it is to be able to gather together and to worship you. The worship this morning, Father, I hope that you receive that from our hearts. It was incredible. Lord, to see all of these kids receive the word of God, I just pray, Lord Jesus, that this would be a significant moment in their lives Lord, we're just so grateful for that. Thank you for all that you're doing through Northview Church. And we pray, dear God, that you would continue to bless all of our efforts. But we also pray that you would bless the efforts of every church throughout our community that's preaching the good news of Jesus Christ. I pray specifically today for Kingsway Christian Church. What an amazing congregation they are. I pray your blessings would be upon them and their pastor, Matt Nickerson. Thank you, Lord God, and pray we could link arms together to make a difference throughout central Indiana. Thanks, God. We just love you and praise you and ask now that as we get into your word, open up our eyes and ears. In the name of Jesus, amen. So according to a study that was done by the Pew Research, Americans' marital status has declined over the past 30 years. The number of adults that will get married fell, fell from 67% in 1990, it was 67% in 1990, to 53% in 2019. And this was really uh, hard to hear, and that is the U.S. divorce rate is the third highest in the world, with over 750,000 divorces every single year. Now, for those that are in their first marriage, the divorce rate is somewhere around 40 to 50%. Those that are in their second marriage, the divorce rate increases to about 67%. And those that are in their third marriage, the divorce rate increases to over 75%. But listen to this. In a recent survey, 43% of millennials reported that if they were given a choice, they would prefer that their marriage licenses would renew every so many years, similar to a driver's license. That way, if anything goes bad, you just let your marriage license expire and move on to somebody else. Guys, can I just make a statement right here? Marriage is not a short-term contract. 
It is a spiritual covenant that the two of you are making before God. Listen, the collapse of the marriage in our society has left countless victims, and the statistics show us that children whose parents have divorced are four times more likely to get a divorce themselves. And of course, from a child's perspective, divorce represents a loss of stability and more importantly, a loss of the united family. I'm sure you've heard it said many times before, as the family goes, so goes the church. Well, it's also true, as the family goes, so goes society. And as the family unit breaks down, so does organized religion. In fact, there seems to be, and maybe you've read something about this, but there seems to be a popular phenomenon of Christians today who are deconstructing their faith. I don't know if you've heard that term, but it's becoming really popular. Christians that are deconstructing their faith, which is basically the dismantling of a person's understanding of what it means to be a follower of Christ. Guys, I'm just trying to make the point that the decline of the family is also what drives the decline of our faith. And so church, if we're serious about reaching the unchurched world, that's the Great Commission, that's our, that's our responsibility, Jesus told us. We all have that responsibility or obligation. If we're serious about doing that, then we need to focus on building healthy families. Let me show you some more. The Gallup uh, organization did a poll in the year 2000 which said 70% of Americans belong to a religious body. But in the latest Gallup poll, just recently done, that number dropped to 47%, from 70% in the year 2000 to 47% today. Guys, that is the lowest percentage ever recorded in American history, and that survey was done pre-COVID. I'll promise you, if that survey was done today, it would be worse than that. The Christian faith in America is at historic lows, and I believe the reason faith is falling is because the family is in a free fall. You see, guys, I think Satan understands what the church oftentimes misses. He knows that if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the church. Billy Graham said one time, I love this quote, it says, the Christian home is the basic unit of our society, and if it fails and falls, our society is indeed in trouble. John Van Epp, in his book called Endgame, he reported that, listen to this, one in four active, it's important you hear that, one in four active churchgoers say their marriage is in trouble, their marriage is a struggling. You look around a crowd this size and, and imagine that, a fourth of everybody in this room would say my marriage is struggling at best, it's hurting. So guys, I'll say it again. If the church is serious about reaching the world for Christ, we have to step up and help those that are struggling in their marriages. Van Epp also said in his book that 85% of American churches reported that they spent zero, nothing, on marriage and relationship ministry. Not one dollar on marriage and relationship ministry. And 93% of churches say they don't offer any type of ministry to singles. Guys, I've said this to you hundreds of times. I know you've heard it. If you've been a part of Northview, you've heard me say it. There is a thread that runs through Scripture from Genesis to Revelation, and that thread is relationship. 
That is the one common thread through all of Scripture. What does that mean? That means that God is interested. God, it's important to God that our relationships with one another are strong. All throughout Scripture, he talks about loving one another, and it's important that our relationship with him is strong. Relationships matter to God, and therefore they should matter to us. Listen, we believe as a church we have an incredible opportunity as well as a responsibility to build ministries that will help nurture healthy marriages and strong families. And therefore, we're committed to do just that. Now, if you'll remember, in our first generosity initiative that we just did earlier this year, out of that that we've raised, we budgeted a million dollars to be spent over the next two years to help strengthening marriage relationships. Now guys, a million dollars is a whole lot of money. And with that, we believe that we can have a significant impact on lowering the divorce rate in the communities we serve. We don't say that lightly. We're not just throwing out figures like that. We honestly, through the studies that we've done and the research that we've done, we honestly believe that Northview Church can have an impact on lowering the divorce rate in the communities we serve. That's a big deal. And so we're calling this new initiative Better Together. Now, Derek Irvin, who's been on our staff for well over 10 years, is uh, in charge of all this. We put him over this ministry. And he's been working with a group of people at putting this new ministry in place over the past several months. And there's already been a whole lot of excitement about this. For instance, they just recently had what you'd call a a vision night. In other words, they wanted to lay out the plan of what it is we're gonna be doing and they opened it up to anybody in the church that would want to come. Well, what excited me about that is that they had over 800 people in attendance. I, I thought maybe he'd have 100, 200 at best that would show up. Over 800 of you came to hear the vision of this marriage initiative. That's amazing. But then get this, after hearing the vision, 780 of you signed up to help to be involved in this particular ministry. So that's incredible. And so that's a whole lot of momentum, wouldn't you say? Now obviously, yeah, let's just give God glory. Now, obviously, this ministry is going to benefit the people of Northview. I hope that that is very clear and obvious. But we also want the community to see this as something that's also going to be available to them. So we've developed a new website called bettertogether.us. I hope you'll write that down. And I'll tell you why in just a second. Bettertogether.us. And the reason that I want you to write that down is because, guys, this is going to be an incredible tool that you can use with coworkers, neighbors, because people all the time are, you might be at work and somebody comes up and they're saying, how are you doing? Uh, I'm not doing well. Why? My, my wife and I, our marriage is in trouble. For you to be able to say, go to this website, bettertogether.us, and there's all kinds of things that you can do that can help you some steps that you can take. So have that in, put it in your phone. Make that something that you know so that you can make that available to people that you run it. Because I promise you, you cross paths probably more than you realize with people that are struggling in their marriage. It's gonna be a great tool. So in this Better Together, we're gonna focus on four areas and I'm not gonna break them down too much. I just wanna tell you what they are. Number one, we wanna help singles choose a dating partner wisely. Number two, we will focus on helping engaged couples to build a strong foundation for their marriage. Number three, 
We will help couples who are married to stay connected. And then number four, we will help couples who have drifted apart to find hope and to reconnect. Now, all four of these things are important and, and all of them are priorities. And so when, when we were putting this ministry together, it's kind of like we just kept talking about all the ideas and then we honed it into four specific areas that we wanted to concentrate on. So they're all important, they're all a priority for us. But I've gotta say, out of the four of them, the third one about marriage enrichment is really the most important one to us. We've gotta do everything we can to help married couples stay connected. <clears throat> because the busyness of life, it's crazy. You and I, you know what I'm talking about. The busyness of life is over the top. And it's causing couples to drift apart, which in turn will keep them from experiencing the marriage that God intended for them to experience. One of the things that I've heard Derek say many times before, and I love it, he says, if you wanna have an awesome marriage, you've gotta do three things. You've gotta connect daily, you gotta date weekly, and you gotta get away regularly. I love that. I know that seems simple, but oftentimes it's really hard to do because, because the busyness of life is pushing that away. So through this new initiative, Better Together, we're gonna come alongside and help facilitate doing that very thing. So this last weekend, we launched Better Together with our first date night. And oftentimes, I've done this and I'm sure you have too. Sometimes we all admit, we know that we need to have date nights with our spouse, but guys, what is there to do? And so we complained to our spouse, I know we need a date night, but what, is, what are we gonna do? Or we can't afford to do anything. And so therefore, we just end up doing nothing. And so we're planning fun things for you to do together. For instance, we kicked the whole initiative off last weekend with Michael Jr. How many of you were here for Michael Jr.? Yeah, it was great. So that was our first date night. What I loved about it was the response. We sold out at every one of our campuses, so that shows there's a need for it, and so that's the type of thing that we're going to be doing. And if you were here, uh, it gave you hopefully a taste, a taste of what some of the things are going to be. Another thing that we're gonna do, and so let me, let me just throw this in too. So the next time your husband, or the next time your wife, when you talk about a date night, says there's nothing to do, just say, well, that's not true. There's all kinds of things going. There's gonna be, they've already lined up over 100 date nights throughout all of our campuses. So there is absolutely something for you to do. All right, another thing we're gonna do is that each quarter, every campus, we're gonna have what we call the Grace Marriage Getaway. The Grace Marriage Getaway, and this will take place four times a year, and it will have fresh content each time as well as childcare. It's gonna be high energy, it's gonna be a whole lot of fun, and it's gonna be fast-paced. So in other words, if you come to one of them, you might say, well, I don't need to come to anymore, I've already been. It's not that type of thing. Every single quarter, it's going to be fresh content. I believe it's gonna be something that couples are gonna to wanna to do every quarter. But for, if you're skeptical, please hear me on this. I'm challenging you, as a married couple, I'm challenging you to at least give it a try, to see for yourself if this is not something that would help your marriage. Friends, why is it that we're so intentional about some things in our life, and yet we don't make much effort to improve our marriages? If you love your, sp if you love your spouse and you love your family, and I know you do, 
then start making an effort to work on it to make it better. We're also gonna do what they call pop-up date nights across all of our campuses. As I just said, there's gonna be 100 date night activities every single year. And then for those of you that are just recently got engaged, we're gonna offer what we call Becoming One. And we're gonna have every engaged couple do a relationship assessment and then assign them a couple that's gonna meet with them five times to mentor them. We're also gonna create some groups for these young married couples or these young engaged couples so that they have others in that same stage of life to connect with. So this is whole new. I mean, you've done a single life and now all of a sudden you're getting engaged and, and so you wanna develop some couples that are also in that same stage of life and so we're gonna organize some of that effort. In the near future, we're also gonna have groups or classes for singles to help them choose a dating partner. Another thing we're gonna offer is called Hopeful Tomorrows. Hopeful Tomorrows, which are basically crisis marriage weekends. And this is for marriages that are able, this is for marriages that are just about to call it quits. They're just about to give up. They said, you know, there's nothing left to do. You know, we've done counseling or, or we've, we, you know, we've tried to work this out, whatever. We're getting ready to just file for divorce. But they're willing to give it one more try. Derek's been doing these weekends for a couple years now and the success rate has been amazing. And so I would encourage, if you know a couple in the church and that's where they're at, tell them about this. We're also gonna have re-engage groups. This is for couples that wanna make sure that Christ is in the center of their marriage. We're gonna start these at the Carmel campus in the next few weeks and then we're gonna bring it to Greater Lafayette within a year. Guys, I know this is a whole lot. If you think this is something you'd like to help with or if you think this is something you wanna know more about, whatever, just go to the website, bettertogether.us, and you're gonna find it there. I believe, listen to me, I believe that God intended marriage to be the greatest relationship you experience this side of heaven. I don't, take, I don't say that lightly. I believe the marriage relationship was intended by God to be the greatest relationship you experience this side of heaven. Because I believe, when you read the New Testament, you'll see what I'm talking about, but I believe that marriage is almost a metaphor for helping us to understand our relationship with God. Because it's the only relationship we can have where we can literally be one in spirit with a person. And so it helps us to understand that relationship with God. Let me say it again. God wants your marriage to be awesome. Is that the way you would describe your marriage? If not, then why not commit to take the steps to work on it? Why not, why not try some of these things to see if they won't help your marriage? I just believe life's too short to settle for an average marriage, don't you? I love what Paul said in Philippians chapter two when he said, then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other loving one another and working together with one mind and with one purpose. Some of you will remember, you've been here long enough, you'll remember I did a series about five years ago called Relationship Goals. And we talked about a strategy. I didn't come up with the strategy. John Van Epp came up with the strategy. But we talked about a strategy for healthy relationships called the RAM model. Um, Again, it was developed by therapist, professor, and author, Dr. John Van Epp. It's simple, but it's so strategic on the way it's designed to help develop relationships. It consists of five logical steps um, that are pictured as a progression from left to right. 
So it starts with, I know it seems simple, but follow me. I'm going to give you a brief explanation of all of it today. It starts with to know, and then once, to, once you know, then you go to trust, then to rely, then to commit, then to touch. So these are in order. There's a progression to these things. And so if you were here, you remember this. If you were not here, I would encourage you to go to our website and listen to that series. I took a week on each one of these when we did the series. Listen to that series as a couple. Now let me also say this. This strategy works not just for married couples. This strategy works for any relationship. This strategy works with your kids. This strategy works in a friendship. This strategy will work in any relationship you want to talk about. Now you say, well, yeah, Steve, we were here for that. I would encourage you still with your spouse to go back and listen to it again, please. I really do believe that this strategy if you'll, will work if you'll work the plan. Good marriages don't just happen, guys, because you walked down an aisle and said, I do. A good marriage takes both of you being intentional. I'm not saying you have to completely change your life to improve your marriage, but I am saying that a few intentional tweaks can make such a big difference. Let me give you a quick review of the RAM model, if I could. The first step in any healthy relationship, as we said, is to know and be known. To know and be known. How do we describe, if somebody talks about a good friend of yours, how do you describe that friend? You say, they know me better than anybody. So we almost always acknowledge, we almost always acknowledge that friendship is based on knowing one another. I, I know this person. You know, when somebody, maybe they're making an accusation about him, a good friend of yours, what do you say? No, I know this person. Because, so to know and be known is important. That's obviously what you want of someone that you want to start a more serious relationship with. Friends, when it comes to who you spend the rest of your life with, please hear me on this, don't settle for a Facebook version of no. It takes a whole lot more than a few clicks around someone's social media page to really get to know that person. Some of you might be thinking, well, Steve, how much time does it really take to get to know someone? And I'll tell you how much time. It takes a lifetime. If you really care about someone, then you're always working to know that person better. You're, you're listening to them, you're asking questions, you're being observant at what you see. Guys, I know Sandy better than anyone, and yet I don't wanna ever stop working on knowing her better. Now what happens, once you get to really know somebody, then you're ready for the second step. Now you're ready to start trusting them. I know you, so I know that I can trust you. You might start sharing things with them, maybe confidential things that you've not shared with anybody else or things you don't want anyone to know about, things you wouldn't share with anyone else. You start to have the confidence that they're not gonna betray your trust and they'll follow through with what they tell you they're gonna do. But if they betray your trust, then what do you say? I guess I didn't know them as well as I thought. I guess I didn't know them as well as I thought. So at that point, you, you end up backing away from trust and going back to know and saying, I guess I need to work on knowing them a little better before I trust them, right? Because if you put your trust in someone before you get to know them, you always run the risk of being betrayed and let down, which then can lead to an unhealthy relationship. 
Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, he says, love does not delight in evil, but instead it rejoices with the truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, and it always perseveres. Then once you put your trust in someone, now you're ready to go to the next stage, which is to rely on them. To rely on them. To rely on someone is what? It's an outward demonstration of your trust. Guys, you're not gonna depend on someone you don't trust. And if you do, you're being foolish. On the other hand, if you trust them, then you're ready to rely on them. And yet oftentimes our society looks at reliance or dependence as a bad thing. It looks at it as a negative thing. It conjures up images of weakness or insecurity. And so you'll hear guys or or, or gals make the statement and say, you know, I, I don't depend on anybody. I'm my own man. I'm my own woman. Guys, that's a very lonely life because here's the reality. You and I were created by God not to be independent, not to be dependent, but we were created by God to be interdependent on one another. That's how we're created, that's how we're wired. We need others in our life. I'm not talking about codependency. Codependents are out of balance. They don't function well on their own. What I'm talking about is how important interdependence is for healthy relationships. Learning to trust someone and to rely on them for certain things as they learn to trust you, as they learn to rely on you for certain things. Friends, God never intended for us to be an island. We were created by God. We were wired by God for relationship. But you cannot have a healthy relationship without a degree of interdependence. Healthy relationships absolutely bring out the best in people. So once I know you and now I trust you, and now I've been depending on you or relying on you, now I'm ready to commit to you. I'm ready to commit to you. Friends in marriage, when someone's commitment is strong, there is what? Think about it. In a marriage, when, someone, when two people's commitment is strong, there is a sense of belonging. There is a sense of being one with each other that's very, very strong, which is again, what I think God designed the marriage relationship for, again, as a metaphor to understand our relationship with him. So if I asked you to give me, uh, let me think about it this way. If I asked you to give me one word that would best describe the purpose of a wedding, what would you say? I know some people would say, oh, Steve, it's the word love. And I would say, no, that's not really what a wedding is about. A better word would probably be the word commit. Friends, think about that for a minute. We don't go to a wedding to hear the groom tell the bride that he loves her or the bride tell the groom that she loves him. Weddings are all about the vows. We go to a wedding to hear the groom and the bride recite vows to one another. They're standing up in front of a minister, in front of a family and friends, And of course, they're standing up in front of God and they're making a commitment to one another. So yes, commitment is the best word for the purpose of a wedding. Marriage is about commitment. Marriage is a spiritual covenant between two people before God. A true commitment, think about this, a true commitment is the glue that's gonna hold two people together through some of the more difficult seasons of their life. 
In fact, I think I can safely say, I thought about this for a while, I don't want to overstate things, but I think I can safely say that out of these five dynamics in the ram, commitment needs to be the lead dog. Because when all the other characteristics in our life are threatened, it's commitment that will keep the relationship going. It's like, we may not be happy with each other right now. We may be going through a difficult season in our life right now, but I'm committed to you. I love what marriage counselor Dave Willis said. He said, lifelong love is not a result of feelings, luck, or even compatibility. It is a result of commitment. Friends, genuine love and commitment go hand in hand. Now remember, I told you these dynamics are interactive, so one thing leads to the next and will affect all the others. I would also point out the best time to implement these four dynamics, hear me please, the best time to implement these first four dynamics is before you get married. And then one, and a lot of times people don't wait. Before they've implemented these four dynamics, they're saying I do and walking down an aisle and they end up in all kinds of issues and struggles. So it's important before you walk down that aisle that you've worked through these four dynamics. And then I'm ready to make a commitment. I'm ready to stand before God and to stand before my friends and family and say to this person, till death do us part. Then I'm ready for the fifth step, which is touch or intimacy. Listen, guys, there is a life-giving power that happens with human touch. Whether it's, and seriously, I want you to think about this for just a minute. Whether we're talking about a simple high five, a pat on the back, a hug, a kiss, or sexual intimacy. I, I, I know you know that. I know my staff knows that, but I talk to my staff about this all the time. I constantly tell them how important it is. Guys, when you go to the weekend service, it is imperative that you touch. It's imperative that you're shaking hands. It's imperative that you're patting people on the back. Why? Because there is so much power in touch. Well, the same thing is true in a marriage relationship with sexual intimacy. Touch affects us all deeply, which is why it creates such pain when it's abused. You know what? When you, when you read about it today, some people try to make God out as some kind of a sexual prude. People try to make God out as someone that is all against sex. But if you believe that, you don't understand the scripture. That is just not true. Friends, God is the architect and the designer of the sexual relationship. And he designed it to be within the framework of marriage. Why? To build a strong emotional and physical bond between a husband and wife. So if anyone knows, guys, think about it. If anyone knows how it's supposed to work, that would be God. Please hear me, friends. The scripture makes it clear that the order of these dynamics places sexual touch fifth. It's important that you keep these in order. And it places sexual touch fifth. And yet our society today has tried to flip God's playbook. They want, they want you to believe that sex is the starting place of relationships. They'll, they'll say, you know, sex is just casual. It's not that big of a deal. You're making too big of a deal out of it. I mean, sex is recreational. Come on, it's just sex. Friends, sex is powerful. Yes, it's physical, but it is also very, very emotional. It's designed by God to bring a connection between a husband and wife. But when you put, think about this, when you put sex first, 
it so undervalues what God intended sex to be. When you lead with intimacy, it opens you up so it opens you up to so much emotional pain and hurt. Putting sex first is certainly, hear me, it's certainly not driven by love. Putting sex first is driven by lust and selfish desire. So friends, you need to constantly be working on all five of these characteristics. If one starts to fall, you can't just ignore it. You need to work on getting that level of health back up because it's gonna affect all the others. I'm just saying again, this system will work if you'll just work the system. So in this, when, they, when these kind of get out of, of wonk there, and you say, well, you know, I, I feel like I really know this person, but I'm not sure I trust them. I'm relying on them, but I'm not sure I trust them. Man, that's messed up. And you're gonna get hurt. You're gonna get let down. And that's why when it starts to get out of wonk there, my commitment level, though, is not very strong. When these get out of wonk, it's, it's like you've gotta back up and say, okay, I'm gonna work on this again. I need to know you better. I need to understand the way you think. I, I need to understand why you're making the decisions that you make doesn't make sense to me. I want it to make sense to me. And once you do, then you begin to trust them a little more. And you don't really rely on that person until your trust level has gone up and then you just work down the path. I love uh, home improvement stores. I'm a fan of uh, Home Depot and Lowe's. I love home improvement stores. Uh, you know, I, I go in and look through things and I find things to, to do a home project. It feels good, doesn't it, when you buy something and think I'm gonna get some stuff done around the house. Uh, Saturday or, or Friday, I guess it was, Sandy and I went to Hobby Lobby and I picked up a couple cans of paint because I've been needing to spray paint an outdoor set that we've got and a Voss that she wanted spray painted. And so finally, I've been thinking about it forever, I bought the cans of paint and I felt really good about it. You know, and that's, and yet, you know, you, you go out and you buy grass seed and you feel really good about it. Why? Because, well, the, the, the outdoor set's going to get painted, the yard's going to get seeded, a house is going to look a lot nicer after I buy all this stuff. But then I got home with the spray cans and I put them out in the garage. And I've yet to touch them again. <laughs> I wasn't ready. It was, it was not enough time in the day to have done it. I had some other things. I had, a, I had a, a hunger pain that hit me. All kinds of reasons why. And I've done that so many times in the past. I mean, so many times in the past. And I set it on my workbench in the garage, and then every time I go to the car, I feel guilty because there it sits, right where it's set for the last three months. And I haven't done anything with it. You see, here's the problem. Application is what makes all the difference. Application is what makes all the difference. A bucket of paint is not gonna make my house look any better unless I apply it to the surface. A bag of seed is not gonna help my grass grow unless I spread it out over the yard. In a similar fashion, our marriage relationships are very, very important. And if we wanna have healthy relationships, then we have to understand the same is true there. Application is what makes the difference. So many times, hear me please, so many times we want to improve our relationships, so what do we do? We go buy a book on marriage. You know, and, and it was good. 
And so we read that book, or, or maybe we go to a, a marriage seminar, or, or maybe we hear the pastor preach a sermon on marriage, and then we walk away from that seminar, from that sermon, and we say, boy, that was good. I'm making progress. I'm moving forward. But friends, if you've not applied anything, no, you're not moving forward. You're not making any progress at all. Things are not gonna get better unless you apply what you read, unless you apply what you've learned. Because what's true about home improvement progress, projects is also true about relationships. Application is what makes all the difference. With Better Together, we're trying to give you the tools that you need to improve your marriage. But application is what makes all the difference. You can't just guys hear me you can't just sit back and stare at the clouds and wish your spouse were more committed to your marriage you have to decide you're going to do something about it and you may be frustrated with your spouse and you may you may be saying I have to do something about it they're the problem you have to decide you're going to do something about it I've said this to you so many times before you should know it and that is marriage is not 50 50 I don't care what Hollywood tells you. I don't care what any experts so-called out there tell you. Marriage is not 50-50. Marriage is 100%, 100%. It's the two of you going into a covenant relationship before God saying, I'm going to be the husband God wants me to be regardless what you do. And my wife's saying, I'm going to be the wife God wants me to be regardless what you're going to do. Because what oftentimes happens, and I see it in in one counseling session after another is that you sit there and one will say, well, I'm not going to do that because she won't do that. She's not doing this, so I'm not about to do that. You know, you, this is what you should, the steps you should take. I'm not taking those steps until he takes those steps. You are headed for failure. I can, I can tell you that until the two of you can get past that point, your marriage is not going to survive it. Because what happens is that you can even tell it in the tone a wall of pride begins to grow between the two of you. And I would say that the, the biggest reason that marriages fail today, hear me, if your marriage is struggling, listen to me, the biggest reason marriages fail today is because of pride. You say, no, it's because of hurt. Hurt creates pride. And so a wall of pride has grown so tall that you can't seem to get through it anymore. Marriage is 100%, 100%. I'm going to be the husband God wants me to be no matter what you do. And if you don't do it, that's between you and God. But I'm going to be the man God wants me to be. And my wife's saying the very same thing. I've also said this to you throughout the years, and I want you to hear that. The three most important things to a successful marriage. Listen, the three most important things to a successful marriage are communication, communication, and communication. I'm serious. That is, the, that is the secret sauce in a successful marriage. You got to learn to talk. You got to learn to be open book. You got to learn to be honest. Communication, communication is not just the, what's important to a successful marriage. Communication is what's important to any healthy relationship. If you're struggling in a relationship with your kids, communication's the problem. You got to talk. If you've got a, a close friend and all of a sudden there, there's something come between you, you got to talk. Communication is essential to a successful marriage, guys. I'm going to close with this quote. 
by Dave Willis again. He said this, in difficult times, I will hold you. In the good times, I will celebrate you. In uncertain times, I will pray with you. In all times, now and forever, I will be by your side through it all, no matter what. Through it all, no matter what. Is that the type of commitment that you have towards your spouse? Through it all, no matter what. We're all gonna go through difficult times. We're all gonna go through seasons that are harder than others. We're all, if you've got kids, there's gonna be those times where it just gets ugly. It gets hard. And as a husband and wife, you gotta know that you have each other's back. That through it all, I'm gonna be there for you no matter what. Pray with me. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your faithfulness. You're an amazing God. Lord, I thank you for the marriage relationship. May we never take it for granted. May we always recognize what an incredible gift and what an incredible blessing this really is in our lives and that you meant for it to be awesome. You meant for it to be the greatest relationship this side of heaven. And so God, help us to be willing to take the necessary steps to get it there. Thanks, God. We love you and we praise you. We just ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Love you guys.